I do. I do have a lot of facials, if you will. I was um, on my dance team in high school. I got the best facials award. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was funny. You know, that was my. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's making facials I just, at me. I just threw a facial at him. Hey there, sexy techies. Hey, everybody. I have some exciting news for the podcast. Yay! I love exciting news. Yeah. So starting this season, including last episode, we're trying out putting our full episodes, uh, videos on YouTube. Cool. So, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now you can listen on any, you know, whatever podcast app you like or watch on YouTube or both <laughs> if you choose. You can see just how awkward I am when I talk. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Both of us. So there's two reasons that I decided to do this. Um, well, we a third. Yeah, I mean. Just kidding. <laughs> the third was, one, I didn't have uh, enough to do already. So like I needed to learn how to really edit video and, you know, spend my time editing full length podcast videos. I need to give you a honey do list. <laughs> Go on. So. No, but really, uh, one is uh, YouTube is great for discovery, mm -hmm. and we'd love more people to find out about the podcast. And um, so we're going to try this out and see if people like it and if we get more listeners and viewers to the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, number two, though, and the real reason is last season. So if you follow either of us on Facebook or Instagram, um, I would make clips mm -hmm. of our uh, podcast videos and post them on Facebook. I didn't do the whole, the full episodes on YouTube. Um, and early on in the podcast, my grandmother told me that, she, you know, she saw the the clips and she was like, how can I watch the full videos? And I said, well, you, you can't, you have to listen. And then, you know, we had to tell her what a podcast app was yeah. and what a podcast was and all that. And then, and so she's been listening. <laughs> um, but I know she really wanted to watch because she said, she's like, I, I I just really want to watch because May's so funny oh, and, and I love watching her reactions <laughs> and like the faces that she makes and things like that. I do. I do have a lot of facials, if you will. I was um, on my dance team in high school. I got the best facials award. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was funny. You know, that was my... <laughs> Like, she's making facials just, at me. I just threw a facial at him. Okay, go ahead. Uh, you know, my my grandmother was you know telling me she wants to be able to watch May, so like her <laughs> grandson's wife. Um, and I was like, oh, thanks, Graham. And she was like, well, you know, I like listening to your voice too. Um, but uh, so we're gonna have the videos there. At least we're gonna try it out for a while. Um, go on YouTube and subscribe and like our videos. Uh, if we can get enough people to watch them and make it worthwhile and subscribe and like, and you know, the channel grows and the podcast grows and stuff like that. We'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so do it for us and do it for Graham. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so I'm excited to see what this is going to like bring about in terms of like more listeners. Do you think that having it a video, like our podcast as videos on YouTube is going to make a difference in our audience? Um, yeah, I mean, you never know, but yeah. like it can't hurt and it's something I'm willing to experiment with. And I mean, there's billions of people watching mm -hmm. YouTube, like we yeah. talked about in, yeah. you know, one of our episodes in season one. So um, 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some additional listeners yeah. or viewers from it. Yeah. Awesome. I know. It's a, it's kind of a cool experiment. Speaking of experiments, <laughs> that's going to lead us to our first little segment that um, I'm going to talk about um, of a startup that has to do with science. Um, it is a fairly new ed tech company called Labster. Have you ever heard of Labster? I don't think so. Yeah. When I saw it and I read about it, I thought it was genius and awesome. I'm a huge like science geek. Um, I loved, I was in the science track in high school. Um, I started in college as a nursing major. Um, I remember. I realized I did not like blood and fecal matter. So then I switched to international health, which still, you know, I still had to take, you know, the biosciences and you know, microbiology and all that. And I thought it was really awesome and cool. So when I saw this company, I thought it was amazing. So Labster's mission is to empower students and educators by offering accessible, engaging, and hands-on learning experiences in the field of science through virtual reality and augmented reality. Oh, interesting. So they provide these like immersive and interactive experiences that replicate real world laboratory environments. So it so if you are at a school or, you know, if you're a science teacher or something and you don't have access to, you know, these state of the art laboratories, you're still not, you know, behind in learning the advancements of science, which I think is really cool. Their goal is to provide equal opportunities for students to explore complex scientific concepts in a safe and interactive virtual environment. So their key strength is accessibility, which is huge, like right now. I mean, everyone's talking about how the disparities in, you know, our socioeconomic climate has to do with everyone's accessibility to certain things and, you know, being... um, you know, being ahead in like the tech and science industry, you need to have access to some of these things. So I think it's really cool. So I'm trying to envision it. Is it so do you like you strap on some like AR or VR goggles and like they have software and like you can run experiments virtually? Yeah, there's different lessons that it has and you kind of like click on it and then you're able to, yeah, just like kind of go through a lab in like 3D Okay. Um, and explore a laboratory. I was listening to one podcast kind of explaining it. And one of the teachers was talking about how her students did just like lab safety, like VR it through yeah. like VR. Um, and so her students kind of like went through and they were able to, you know, safely replicate what it would be like if you got splashed by chemicals. Uh, you can't do that in real life. Right. Um, <laughs> True. And that you had to like, and, and how quickly you had to like run to the eyewash station mm-hmm. um, or else I guess the um, lobster like can make you permanently go blind in their AR like oh, man. world. Yeah. And Real so, consequences. Yeah. And, and so, that you know, you know, that's just the lab safety like chapter of it. But they, they are taught. Yeah. Real world um, experiences just like within the lab and then also able to like discover new things virtually. This teacher was also saying that um, students, when they were doing that safety like experience, some students would like try to help the other students like go to the eyewash quickly because like nobody wanted, you know, a lifetime of blindness. Yeah. So 
Um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, so it allows millions of students um, to access high-quality education, which was previously unreachable because physical access to, like, a quality lab is lacking for so many. And instead of, like, reading textbooks or watching a lecture, which is what, you know, a lot of schools were doing that didn't have, like, really great laboratory, you know, access they can now have this like immersive experience. Um, Some of the things that they uh, have on there is analyzing samples for life signs on Mars, um, solving a murder mystery with DNA analysis, and even identifying a new virus. So all these things you can do virtually now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Just a little backstory on the company. So Labster was founded by Michael Bodeker, Jensen. He is a bioengineer. He calls himself a self-taught geek with a capital G. <laughs> <laughs> Only a geek would say that. <laughs> I was going to say, that makes him sound cooler. Um, he has always been, you know, interested in like new and emerging technologies um, and gaming. And through his early experience working in a gaming cafe, which I did not know existed, but here we are. Yeah, remember those old internet cafes um, that we used to have in the U.S. too? I think they got shut down. Was that just in Florida or internet that- cafes? Like where you can? I just thought internet cafes were coffee shops that you could go to access the internet. Yeah, I think there was something uh, a little weird going on there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. But there was also gaming going on. I, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so- I'm gonna have to brush up on my internet cafe history <laughs> <Yeah>. knowledge. <laughs> the internet cafe scandals of Florida. Um, well, so through, you know, he, he had a lot of experience going to gaming cafes. He played video games and he actually met his co-founder Mads in 2012. So Mads Bondi was a serial entrepreneur with a background in computer science. So Mads was also a professor and and they're based in, uh, Denmark. And, um, he found that students were having difficulty staying engaged and arriving prepared for lab work. So they knew that there was like an issue with having students, you know, be engaged in, you know, going to and utilizing their labs, especially if they weren't well-equipped labs. There was this disparity with people having access to laboratories, but then they were also inspired by flight simulation training. Um, And so through that, that was kind of like the basis of knowing that they could transform the way science was taught. And they kind of use that as their foundation. Okay. So their founding team obviously faced numerous challenges um, during the early stages of development, because as you can imagine, trying to capture the accuracy and detail of working in a virtual laboratory is probably not easy. I don't know. I've never built anything, but I'm sure <laughs> yeah. the coding for that is extensive. Um but despite these challenges, Labster gained significant traction and support. You know, they they really targeted educators and students. And obviously, everyone thought that it was kind of a genius idea. Their early success led to collaborations with renowned educators and institutions. And they were able to align their program with existing curriculum to ensure that the simulations complemented traditional science courses. So it's not like they made up their own thing and, you know, all of the universities and schools had to adjust their curriculum if they wanted to, you know, incorporate Labster. It's like Labster already had what 
could supplement what they were already teaching. Okay, so like they took the standard curriculum for whatever grade in high school that is yeah. or whatever, and they designed their AR, VR labs around it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which I think is, you know, they know their audience. They knew who they wanted to target, and I think that was kind of brilliant of them. They they talked to their users. That, that <laughs> Smart seems to be play. a trend. Yeah. So Labster initially raised $10 million in Series A funding from Balderton Capital, um, but since has raised a total funding of $147 million over five rounds. Wow. So they're pretty successful. And I just love it because, again, of their accessibility and the fact that they are making science within reach for so many people. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm looking online and I just wanted to get a sense for their pricing. And there's just from a quick Google search. So I don't know how accurate this is, but it says in groups per student pricing um, starts at $79. And like for a single user license, prices start at $109. So it's per student model, which is typical for like K-12 ed tech software. Mm, yeah, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I spent the first nine years of my career working for an ed tech company. Yeah. So that's just what I wanted to highlight. Love the fact. I feel like, so w one of the things that they were saying, the founders, it was they would love one day to have somebody who wins um, the Nobel Prize go up and in their acceptance speech say, you know, my love for science started with Labster because I was able to utilize a lab that I, you know, normally couldn't at one point. I think any company would love for somebody <laughs> to say that. It's a good marketing. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about two companies that are creating products or experiences that are kind of out of sci-fi. Uh, they kind of seem like they're out of sci-fi. And a third that, um, you know, whereas these, these first two companies are sort of taking us into the future, mm -hmm. this company's kind of taking us back um, to a, a time of yesteryear or something okay. like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who says yesteryear? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people who are talking about, you know, really far back. <laughs> so the first company is Apple. Okay. Um, and I want to talk about their Vision Pro device. Okay. I'm, I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Okay. So Apple announced the Vision Pro in June of 2023. It is scheduled to launch in early 2024. So this year, um, I've heard reports, some say that it should be out in February. Oh. So just a month from when we're recording this. Okay. If you haven't seen it or like what it is, I would highly recommend going on Apple's website and taking a look. They have a video. Uh, yeah, you can go on and look uh, while we're talking just to get an idea. Uh, make sure your volume's down. <laughs> oh. uh, they have a video. Uh, I think it's like a nine-minute video sh sort of demonstrating it. Um, oh. It's a really cool product. So they call it a mixed reality headset. And it allows for what Apple calls spatial computing. So it looks like if you look at the device, oh. it looks kind of like like snowboarding goggles, yeah. ski goggles, or like a, like a scuba mask or something like that, although yeah. it doesn't cover your nose, like a scuba mask. And it runs on something called Vision OS, which is Apple's new spatial operating system. What it allows you to do is see all of your apps in the space around you. Yeah. So like you're looking like in a room and you can see 
you know, like it's your phone across the entire room. Yeah. And yeah. just like floating apps. In yeah. The room. Mm-hmm. You can make them bigger or smaller. You can mm-hmm. navigate with your eyes. It tracks your eyes. What? Um, you can select different apps. You can use some sort of like hand gesture to scroll websites. Um, this is the future. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I can't wait to, to like actually try it Yeah. Um, because what I'm seeing is like marketing um, oh, okay. material, you know, marketing video and stuff right. like that, the hype, but I, you know, we'll have to try it out, but um, you can view content in 3d, which mm. is cool. And you can, the other cool thing is like, unlike VR goggles, like traditional ones, you can see your surroundings through the lens as well. Yeah. So like I could be seeing you and working and, and like, you know, seeing my screen at the same time. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, or like if you were in another room and you walked in, I wouldn't have to take it off to yeah. like have a conversation with you. Like I can talk to you while it's on. That is some multitasking. <laughs> yeah. So it uses machine learning to represent your physical attributes um, realistically when you're like in video calls. So because you have this thing on your head, you can't have like a camera on you because like you, I mean, you could, right. but like you'd have this weird thing on your head. Yeah. yeah. So it can somehow it knows what you look like and it can map out what your mouth is doing, what your hand gestures are like you had a camera on you. Wow. uh, Which is really pretty cool. Huh? The technology and it's crazy. So the the video goes into this, but the resolution is like 4k quality in each eye. Um, Then like the amount of pixels that they packed into these lenses is, is pretty insane. That, Hmm. I have questions as Sorry. I mean, yeah. I, I know you have so much more to say. About there's, this, a few, but like, there's a few more things. <laughs> okay. But as somebody who has very bad vision. Okay. <laughs> what if I looked at them without my contacts in? Like, how does it know? Because I can't see, I can't see like past, you know, my past like a couple inches from me. And so how does it know that I'm actually like looking at the app, you know, like, I think it's tracking your eye movements. It doesn't like, right, you're but, not going to have a good experience in it. I don't think if you can't see anything, right, but so you right. should probably use your contacts. <laughs> I know, but LASIK. I was just thinking that. And then how, how does that relate then with people who have glasses? You know, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there's enough room on it to wear mm-hmm. glasses. Yeah. It doesn't um, look like it from what I'm No, it, And it doesn't look like they'd be comfortable because it kind of straps around your head. Right. Yeah. Like it would cover those. Especially because big glasses are in. <laughs> so, so you might have to get uh, contacts in order yeah. to use it. I, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I was just curious about that. As somebody with impaired vision. Yeah. Um, it's got two like super powerful microchips in it um, mm-hmm. in this, you know, relatively small headset. Mm-hmm. It's got a 3D camera, too, which I thought was kind of interesting. Why? So, well, it says so that you can create like 3D videos and then like view them in 3D and like real 3D through the thing. That's crazy. But like just looking at it. And we'll, we'll, I'll put a picture on the, the video stream so you can see it too. But like, it doesn't look like something you'd wear around town or right. like out. It looks like something you're going to wear in your house. So like right. maybe you can make some pretty cool vi- 3D videos of like, I don't know, something in your house, your dog or your kids or something like that, your cat jumping around. But like, I don't know. I, I don't, feel that's not one of the main selling points to me. This is the future. So this is going to be what we're seeing in the future. People are probably going to be walking around down the street Video, you know, content creators are probably going to be like, oh, check out a day in my life. And we're going to be seeing more people with these on. I I think we definitely will. Um, (laughs) I mean, people are going to be wearing these things. Um, So there's like there's like some different use cases for the for this thing that looked pretty cool. So one is video games. 
that one's not as interesting to me because like you know we have the vr right. headsets already like yeah. um that, that can do a lot of that stuff another is watching movies like watching movies on this thing you could make the screen like oh. as big as your wall basically it's wow. like you can make it enormous for images like panoramic uh images like you can actually make it look panoramic so it like wraps around you yeah. like you're there uh you can use it for just like casual web browsing I think you can use it for like graphic design and like development, web development, like with your eyes, like you're working. Well, I mean, like you can connect it to your MacBook, okay, um, and use it as like the screen for your computer. Yeah, um, wow. And so, like working is another thing. Like they're expecting people are going to use this thing for. Mm-hmm. Um, just like instead of you know, a lot of us have multiple monitors. Right now, you could have several big monitors up there and just you know, or tabs that you're that you can go back and forth between. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really fascinating looking device. People can probably work on their commute. I mean, not sorry, not when they're driving. That's dangerous. Oh yeah, like on a train. Or yeah, something. like if you're, you know, it, it might actually encourage people to like go back into the office because they can actually. Because a lot of times people don't want to go into the office because the commute, you know, sucks up some work time. But if they can work while they're commuting, maybe. <laughs> well, I think it's more that it sucks up like you're off work time. <laughs> I don't know that they want to be working. I don't know. So th- this is not a cheap device okay. uh, initially. When it comes out, it is priced at $34.99, oh, I was like, $34? <laughs> uh, so it's expensive. Um, okay. So that's a limiting factor for, you know, who's in the uh, demographic that can buy this thing. Right. Another thing is, so... Apple in their marketing calls it like a beautiful device. I I think, I don't know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but like I looked at this thing, I wouldn't call it beautiful. Um, I think, you know, form factor wise and like design wise, it it wraps around the back of your, it looks like you're wearing ski goggles. Um, It doesn't, they say it's comfortable. I'm sure it's comfortable when you first put it on. Yeah. But like, I don't know if I could wear it all day. Like eight hours. Yeah. Like if I was actually going to be working uh, with it. I wonder. It has a wire, like a cord coming out of it. I don't know if you can oh. see that in the pictures or videos, but like yeah. that's because it, it, it's they didn't want to put the battery pack in the device because it would be too heavy yeah. on your on your face on your head. Right. So it, it has a cord attached to a battery pack that you can like keep in your pocket. Got it. Yeah, I see that. Um, it it does in terms of like beauty, it does look sleek at least in terms of like it's not. It's thick, but it's not like too like clunky. No, it just, I mean, it can be so like I I envision where this will go eventually is it will look more like glasses. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. You know, they do want to block out all the all the other light and stuff, though, from Mm -hmm. getting in and like around your eyes. So, you know, the glasses will likely still need to have something that comes up and covers your face. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think they'll get smaller. They'll get lighter. They'll they'll get better like all technology does. I wonder if this is going to start fashion trends, like if this is going to start dictating what actual glasses look like, because I mean, glasses change throughout, you know, the years in terms of what's in style. And I can probably, I can see Apple kind of infiltrating like the fashion world and like trying to make glasses that, you know, conform more to your head what's in and then everyone kind of follows suit i bet we'll see i mean who knows it's interesting though so there's already some competition out there like you know i mentioned the gaming technology there's like the ar and vr goggles and glasses um 
most of it's focused around video games and like virtual worlds and stuff like that. Right. Um, Apple with this product is more going for like um, your your actual like practical applications that I mentioned. There is another um, project though on the horizon uh, that will be a direct competitor. So in 2023, Google, Samsung, and Qualcomm announced that they were partnering to develop their own mixed reality device mm. uh, to compete with the Apple Vision Pro. Wow. So uh, that is scheduled to launch at the end of 2024. Okay. And it's projected to cost about $2,000. Hmm. So significantly cheaper. Uh, that's just the projection. I don't know what the, you know, what the eventual price will be. Yeah. But and they'll have the advantage of um, hearing the feedback from those uh, Apple yeah. Vision uh, users. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like that's what they do. They like, like Apple will come out with something. There'll be some backlash for things and then they'll like improve upon it. It's, I mean, it's all business. So I get that. Sometimes it works that way. Um, so by, yeah, by the end of 2024, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we should have two of these devices out there that can do some, some pretty crazy stuff. Everyone's going to be watching the ball drop in on New Year's Eve in 2024 <laughs> with all different kinds of goggles <laughs> yeah i mean you don't have to be in Times square you'll feel like you yeah, are right. what do you think would you would you get a pair of these if it guarantees that if you have bad vision you can still use it then i i would it, it seems cool i would want to not be one of the first users i'd want to wait until they've developed and taken out like all the kinks and yeah fixed all the feedback and had and i'd like maybe get something like a couple of versions down. Okay. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Like $3,500 is a lot. Oh, well, yeah. But I mean, like that's how much like laptops were at one point. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I don't need this device. Like, uh, I need a laptop now and, uh, you know, I can get one for 500 bucks. I don't know. People but... with typewriters didn't think they needed laptops. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, I definitely think this is cool. And I'm, you know, I, I I look forward to going to the Apple store and maybe trying it out or yeah, something like that yeah. uh, and seeing crazy. just how cool it is. But I think I agree. I, I want to see I want to see what the competition looks like. I think I can wait mm-hmm. a year or two, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. see, I won't be see where this goes. Watching the ball drop this New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like um, they can do a lot more. Like once they kind of figure out the technology piece to it, they can have, you know, like um, a cooling gel maybe or like a foam to make it like more comfortable. They can... Built in like face and head massager yes, right in that thing. Yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the things that just will make it more comfortable. So I'm excited for it. That's awesome. All right. So that was the first one. This next one, I'll start with a question. Have you ever been sleeping? Yes. And... <laughs> <laughs> every night and been dreaming and known that you've been dreaming and mm. and been able to like control your your dream and and your thoughts in your dream I don't think I've gotten to like step two okay. I've known that I was dreaming I remember like there were a couple times where I was like this is so stupid I'm dreaming just like wake up but right. then I would and and then I wouldn't and I wouldn't be able to control the rest of the dream right or sometimes uh, I've had that happen but and then you think you woke up but you didn't and you're still dreaming oh uh, yeah maybe that's happened too so but like 
how many times, like how often or how many times has that happened to you where, where you know that you're dreaming in a dream? I probably five in my whole lifetime. Okay. So same for me, only a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently about only about 50% of humans experience one or more lucid dreams in their lifetime. I would say I've probably never had a real lucid dream. Wait, where is like, lucid when you know that you're dreaming? Is I think there's, means? I think there's degrees, but yeah, like, you know, you're dreaming and you can control oh. what you're dreaming about. Okay. And like, yeah, that sort of stuff. So okay. I don't think I've ever had that. Mm-hmm. I, I have known that I was dreaming a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, only about 20% of people have lucid dreams regularly, like once a month or more. And only 1% of people have them more often than that, like like weekly or, or more than once a week. Wow. So, and and it's long been this like dream to figure out like, how do we, how do we control these things? And like, how do we make ourselves aware that we're dreaming and have control over what we're dreaming. Yeah. The, it, dreaming is such a crazy concept because it's what you have like the least control of, I think, in in your life. You can't control <laughs> those thoughts or, you know, I don't know. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just subconscious. So, yeah. so there's this company called Prophetic that wants to help people be able to create lucid dreams. Wow. Where both you're aware that you're asleep and you're dreaming and you can control what you're dreaming about and what you're thinking about in your dreams. So you can, you know, set the stage for your dream. You can, uh, you want to be at the beach, you're at the beach and you're relaxing, you know, whatever it is you want. You want to be, um, maybe you're a researcher, you want to continue re- doing your research at, or your, you know, your, your thoughts about your research at night uh, while you're sleeping. You can in- increase your productivity while you sleep. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious if that's actual rest. <laughs> but, yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like you sleep, you're supposed to, I feel like that's a lot of brain activity for trying to sleep. Yeah, but I think, I mean, when you're having these lucid dreams, I think you're in REM sleep. Like, I think you're in deep, deep sleep. So, like, you're, I think you're still getting the benefits of sleep. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know about if they're forced like this way because no one's done this yet. Right. But so the, so the way it works is they have this headband looking thing. They call it a halo that the user wears while they're sleeping. Hmm. And it sends these like focused ultrasound, um, signals into your brain to activate different parts of your brain and engage these, this like lucid dreaming state. Okay. All right. It's yeah. So it's like super out of Mm sci-fi, uh, the company states on their website, they say, there's a reason why history's luminaries in science, math, and art credit their lucid dreams mm. for their most pivotal discoveries. Yeah, right. I've heard that. Yeah. It came to them in a dream. Either a dream or, you know, while they were drinking absinthe, they're like right. high on something, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some altered state of consciousness. Yeah. So, so far they've raised $1.1 million, uh, which doesn't actually seem like, uh, like that was their f- initial fundraising that doesn't seem like a lot at all to right. me for a company doing this type of technology. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm surprised they raised that little. There have been other companies that have tried to do this sort of thing before. Not necessarily. I don't know if they necessarily did it with ultrasounds, but like, you know, there's companies and they, people have wanted to be able to control this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So this company's going after it. Nobody's been able to to do it successfully. Right. I don't know if this will be the company to do it. This prophetic um I don't know, you know, anything about 
safety or like they haven't, I yeah. don't think they've actually tested this yet. They're, I think it's still in the conceptual stage, like okay. the concept stage. Their website, if you look at their website, it's a bit over the top. Um, and it, and, and this sort of language always makes me a little wary about like a company's claims mm. about their, their product. They say like they have this thing on their website. It, it says Prometheus stole fire from the gods we will steal dreams from the prophets. Mm, and it's mm. like, I, I don't know. It just makes me think of like fire festival or like some, you know, these like, yeah, it's, it's just like a concept like you're promising a little too much. Or, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, but you know, you never know, like they could figure out how to do this. I, I kind of doubt it will be a one size fits all thing. Like I doubt it will work for everybody. Yeah. Because like already we know that like some people have an easier time having lucid right. dreams than others. And I was reading about this apparently like, you can actually do things to make yourself more likely to have lucid dreams. Mm. Like there's different, um, there's different exercises like thought exercises and things you can do to like put yourself in a state to be more likely to have these lucid dreams. Interesting. Uh, I've also heard that there's things that you can do just to remember your dreams um, in general, because I know that, uh, you know, that data that you gave about how many people actually have lucid dreams I wonder if more people actually have lucid dreams, but they just don't remember it. Um, because just in general, like I, I, you know, sometimes when you maybe like talk in your sleep or like mumble <laughs> or something and I'll be like, what were so, you dreaming of last like night? Hypothetically yeah, me, right? I, not, yeah. Like hypothetically. Like actual me. <laughs> so like last night, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I remember, I, I would always ask you like, what were you dreaming of? And you never remember, but I know you were dreaming. Right. Um, I don't think I, that probably wouldn't qualify as a lucid dream. If you wake up and you and you like immediately don't know anything about your dream. Right. No, that definitely wouldn't. But just knowing that you had a dream in general, I think, is something that people don't yeah. don't know. Don't know. And no, I often control. don't remember any of my dreams. I remember I used to like be really into like what dreams meant and like the symbolism behind things that you dream about. <laughs> and I was reading an article once, it was when I was a lot younger, um, about how you can um remember your dreams better and like keeping a dream journal, always like waking up and writing down like the last yeah. thought that you had and that helps you to remember your dreams more. But I wonder if there's anything and so when you were saying that there are like exercises and things that you can do to help, you know, give yourself lucid dreams, you know, I wonder if that's like the next step. Maybe. Yeah. So this company is expected, uh, you know, th this product is expected to launch sometime in 2025 and okay. projected to cost between 1500 and $2,000. Um, I don't know if that's accurate. Like I think they're pretty far out. So who knows yeah. what, what it'll end up costing. Interesting. If anybody wants to check it out, their website is propheticai.co. Okay. Kind of reminds me of that movie that um, Leonardo DiCaprio was in where, you know, they were like spinning the top to see if they were yeah, actually yeah. dreaming. Inception. Inception. Yeah. 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 Um, and like, I wonder if we, we would ever like be in that alternate universe where like we are actually like living in our dreams um, because we can control our actions and things like that. Yeah, I, I have to see that movie again. I remember, I think I've only seen that movie once. And I remember after seeing it, I, I said, wow, I, I think if I watch this again, I'll like understand it. Way, <laughs> like, you know, I'll see a lot more things that I didn't see the first time. Right. It was that. Yeah, that was that was kind of crazy. But <laughs> uh, all right. So this third one is uh, this third company is doing something 
a lot different from the first two. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, yesteryear one. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so those other two, they're testing the bounds of you know technology and the future. This other company is bringing us back to the quaint past. Um, and think back to before you had your iPhone. What what uh, what device were you calling people on? My BlackBerry. Your BlackBerry. Yeah, you had the Pearl, right? I sure did. So Clicks Technology is creating the Clicks Creator keyboard for the iPhone. Oh. It is a. It, it looks like a case for your iPhone, like a normal case. But at the bottom of this case, and it extends a couple inches below the bottom of the case, there are physical BlackBerry style buttons. Hmm. So it connects right into like the the device connects into your phone through the USB-C or mm-hmm. lightning port or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to type using these physical buttons onto your iPhone. Hmm. Uh, it gives you the little click, you know, yeah. tap feel that you got from the, the BlackBerry. Uh, when you're using it, you do not need, it, it doesn't require your on-screen keyboard to pop up. So oh. you can type without the keyboard and save you know space you save a third of the screen or whatever it is and the keyboard pops up yeah it it's projected to actually no. it uh i think the initial devices are uh, are priced at 139 dollars uh it it makes your screen your your phone a lot bigger yeah Uh, it makes it a lot longer so they haven't shipped any of these yet uh the first versions ship in february they say on their website Mm. Uh, the later version sometime later in the spring um, it's only available for a few iPhone models. I think iPhone 14 and 15 mm, models Okay. right now. You can look on their website. It's clicks.tech if you want to check it out. Uh, what do you think about this? So like I thought we were beyond the, the whole buttons thing on the, on the phone. I, I, I didn't think people wanted that anymore, even mm-hmm. though, you know, we talked about this in a different episode as well. Like people yeah. thought they wouldn't be able to give it up, but now that, you know, that didn't take long and mm-hmm. you know, now no phones have it, but I'm curious um, if you think you would use this. And I'll, I'll, I will tell you that when I read this, so I, I read about this on TechCrunch, and it was probably the most smug uh, article that I've, that I've ever read about, like, technology. The, the person who wrote it, like, clearly thought this was a waste of, oh. <laughs> like, an idea. Yeah. And doesn't expect it to do well or anybody to really use it and doesn't really see any value from it was was the feeling I got from the way the article was written. Interesting. Uh, which is why I'm I'm kind of surprised they even agreed to write about it. But uh right. but what do you think? Would you ever would you hmm. do you want something like this? Well, so I really I liked how with like when I would text on your droid, I liked how when you touch a letter it kind of like vibrated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There was like some sort of validation with like knowing that the letter that I touched was the one that was activated. Yeah. Does that not happen on the iPhone? Um, or is that if not it a, does, a I don't feature ha- you can turn on? You know, maybe it is a feature. Okay. And maybe I'm just like not used to it anymore. But like, I don't know. I I kind of like the clicks and things like that. I do know that um, the autocorrect on my phone definitely knows like when I've been like, when my finger's getting lazy and it just is kind of like dragging to the, <laughs> it knows what letter I'm trying to get to, even though I like fall short. Um, so I wonder if that can happen with this keyboard now. Um, I don't like the fact that it makes your phone bigger. However, I have a, 
an earlier version of an iPhone. And so it is smaller than like the ones now. So if, if they did make a keyboard for my version of iPhone, I wouldn't think that it was too big because there are phones that big now. Right. Um, I like the fact that you, you know, your keyboard doesn't take up like a third of your screen, you know, when you have this keyboard on here, like the screen keyboard, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. But, but like, I was thinking about that, but when you're typing on your phone, do you really need the rest of the screen or you, you just want to see what you're typing? N- not necessarily. Sometimes I refer back to like a spelling of how somebody said something and then I have to like scroll up and then like scroll back. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, Okay, but sometimes I do that. Um, oh, okay. Like if you're typing an email. Yeah. Yep. Or, um, or even a text. Like if I have to, I don't know, give somebody an address and I have to like, refer back to a previous text or something like that. I don't know. I'm torn on it. Like, is it necessary? No, absolutely (laughs) not. Like I I can function without it, but if I did have it and you know, I'd be, would it be cool to have maybe? Yeah. I'm curious if there's a demographic that will, you know, want this, like, is there, um, let's say older, you know, older people, do they want their buttons for instance, or interesting that you say that because the first demographic I thought were the younger ones because, well, yeah, I don't know. It could be either. They're the ones that never had buttons (laughs) and because they're the ones that also like now they want those Polaroid cameras because they want to like to develop right film, which is like, why? I mean, and so maybe we need to be able to see our picture right away it's like you already can i know i know (laughs) it's so weird that you know we just because and then you waste your film because you have a bad picture or whatever. but there is something i mean it's for us it's nostalgic because we had those phones when when we were kids um for for younger folks now it's uh, i don't i guess you wouldn't call it nostalgic because they they didn't have those phones but it's it's something it's retro. Yeah, it's, it's cool. retro, right? Oh. Yeah. Like that's a fad <laughs> we're, we're for them retro. to go retro. I know. It's a fad for them to go retro. I, w- I went to a concert with my friend and um, these youngins in front of us were like, can you take a picture of us? And they handed us a digital camera because they thought it was so cool that they had a digital camera. And I remember my friend Stephanie was like, she whispered to me, she's like, why don't you just use your phone? <laughs> yeah. I mean, most phones like new phones now have better cameras than most like I'm not talking like DSLR cameras but like a, a, a little camera yeah. that you would carry around right but they like the the that retro look to what a digital camera like with you know three megapixels can yeah create I guess I don't I wouldn't use this thing like I wouldn't I mean I don't think my pocket has enough room for it yeah I, I definitely especially oh, for a guy for yeah sure. I was yeah I was thinking that like a a woman's pocket I mean most of your pockets would definitely not fit this thing. Uh, I mean, obviously you could carry it in your purse, but like, right. are you really going to add this to it for that? So yeah, it'll be, I don't know if this is like a, a gag thing or like, a, you know, like a more gimmicky thing or if it's actually something people want, but we'll see. I wonder if they did any research on this or if they were like, you know, it would be cool. I know. <laughs> yeah. The The other thing that I think is interesting is that like you could, there's a button on the keyboard that still can pull up, you know, like your emojis but there's no, you know, you still have to select an emoji on your screen. Right. Oh, so you're saying like, how would they? Yeah. Yeah. You can't mimic that maybe on the, I don't know. Maybe there's a way. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Um, no, I probably wouldn't use it, but if someone gave it to me, I would (laughs) (laughs) try it. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was pink, I would. (laughs) So. 
Okay, I am so excited for this week's Hot Mom of the Week, just because of all the content that we've been talking about. So, Tony, are you ready for the Hot Mom of the Week? I am, and I don't know if uh, this is obvious from my reactions, but I never know who the Hot Mom of the Week (laughs) is before the segment. So I am looking this person up just like you as soon as you tell me who it is. (laughs) Okay, let's get into it. It's time for our Hot Mom of the Week. Last time I checked, I'm still hot, real hot. Okay, so talking about science and innovation around science and ed tech, I got really excited to spotlight this female scientist um, who is just killing it in content on her social media. And above all, she's a beautiful mother. So her name is Emily Calandrelli, and her handle is at the Space Gal on social media platforms, all of her social media platforms. She has the same handle. She was raised in Morgantown, West Virginia, and she, as a little girl, always loved math and art. But at a young age, she felt there was a noticeable divide between people like her family, who they were, you know, one generation removed from poverty, and all the, in quote, smart kids whose parents were professors at West Virginia University. So her drive and curiosity was there, but she didn't really have the means to explore and learn like others who had that accessibility at their fingertips. See how it's like connecting to the things that we've talked about? Yeah. Um, So she went through school just kind of maintaining good grades. Um, She had test anxiety, so she wasn't like, you know, she couldn't test into the gifted classes. She avoided honors courses and things like that. But, you know, she got by in school. She went to West Virginia University as an engineering major. Um, and that was driven by she compiled a list of all of the typical salaries for each major. And she picked the one that could make the most money. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she came from, uh, you know, a, a, a life of not having a lot. So she she was really driven to make money. <laughs> so the turning point for her came when um, her professor teaching her introductory course at West Virginia University assigned a project that involved building a model bridge using only the materials provided. I feel like we've all oh, yeah. had that. I love that experiment. <laughs> <Did you>? Yeah. <laughs> well, hers, what I when I had to do it um, in my physics class, you could only use, I, I want to say like toothpicks Yeah, I think we did glue. it with toothpicks or popsicle sticks or something. Yeah, yeah. toothpicks sounds right. Yeah, hers was with like straw, glue, and string apparently. But anyway, irrelevant. So the experience was kind of depressing for her because it was supposed to be a group project, but she ended up building the bridge alone while her teammates were like throwing a party because they were in college. Um, But she made a really successful bridge. And when the project was named best in class, her mood and her self-perception of herself shifted. Wow. Um, She was validated in thinking that she could actually be good at this. And I think that's kind of a really good feel good story. So, She thrived in college after that. Um, She put herself through amazing programs and internships, one of them being a research internship at NASA, um, where she met another aerospace engineering student from MIT. And spoiler alert, he ended up being her husband later Uh. in life. I know. But at that time, um, he connected her with his former advisor at MIT while she was applying for grad school. So she graduated MIT with a dual master's degree in aero-astro engineering and technology and policy. But now 
She is an Emmy-nominated science TV host and co-executive producer of a show called Emily's Wonder Lab on Netflix. Um, she's featured as a correspondent on Netflix's Bill Nye Saves the World and is an executive producer and host of Fox's Exploration Outer Space. So oh, she's wow. doing a lot in television. With I wasn't expecting this to too. go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she's kind of like the whole package. She's like brains and beauty and everything. So like she is able to, you know, be this smart scientist, but then also, you know, be out in the media, which I think is really great. It, it makes science a little bit more mainstream for people. And yeah. so I love that um, she's utilizing her knowledge to do that. Um, she's also, besides television though, um, she's also the author of the picture book, Reach for the Stars, um, the science experiment book, Stay Curious and Keep Exploring, and the science chapter book series, The Ada Lace Adventures. So she has over 2 million followers across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And yeah, so she's just so cool. And I'm so inspired by her. Um, She, I feel like she's everything that is right about being a female and a mom in the science field. You don't see a lot of that. Um, Yeah, very niche. Yes. When I was, when I was researching, first I started with, you know, science content creators to follow and you know, the science field is just so male dominated yeah. still. And she really gives like this great presence for women in science. And, you know, the fact that she's doing children's books and children's TV shows, I think is amazing for little girls everywhere to be like, Hey, you know, that she looks like my mom or, you know, that could be me someday. Um, she was doing her Emily's Wonder Lab show up until she was nine months pregnant, like with her first child. So um, it's it's also kind of cool for little girls to see like, you know, pregnant working women, <laughs> all of that. So yeah. And hearing about all of the things that she's done. And I mean, yeah. you just kept going and yeah. going like yeah. I, I was expecting it to end <laughs> and I would have already been impressed. But like, uh, I don't know if anybody listening is thinking this, but like, it just makes me think like whenever I feel like I'm busy or like I'm you know doing <laughs> enough or too much, it's like, well, uh, <laughs> no. I, I guess maybe not. I know we could be more <laughs> like Emily, I guess. <laughs> well, fun fact though, I kind of um, saw when in researching like trending females in science, I learned that science content creators are called science communicators. So people actually call themselves science communicators when they are content creators in the field of science. So I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but... No, I haven't. And I feel like, um, you know, maybe the science communicators need some branding help. (laughs) (laughs) I communicate science. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm sure Emily can think of a new uh, name. She's just so cool. And uh, someone that I look up to even though I, I might be older than her. But, <laughs> yeah. um, um, so you go, Emily. Give her a follow. She is at The Space Gal on all social media platforms. Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button. And reach out on social media. Dot coms. And hot moms. Signing off. Signing off.